Hello and welcome to the Financial Father and Son podcast, where we explore the various ways the younger generation of today can achieve financial independence. On today's episode, we're going to be exploring what social mobility is and how you can change your financial situation over time. The idea for today's episode came about after reading an article by the Huffington Post on how social mobility in the US is declining. That article will of course be linked in the show notes of today's episode. The article basically says that social mobility is declining in the US and the reasons are because of income inequality, the fact that the higher education system does not take people from every social group proportionally so it's quite biased and weighted towards the upper social classes and it also says that race and gender matters too so I wanted to get my dad on the podcast and talk to him about this because he didn't start in the group that he's in now you know he started in a very different social group and through hard work intentionality and patience he's achieved what he wanted to so without further ado let's get into the show hi dad hi jay how are you good thank you so let's start from the beginning where did you get your money habits from Mm. yeah okay so you know if i think about our history and our money values let's say i mean we we came from in India, went to Africa, went to the UK. So we kind of moved around. If, you, if you're looking at just uh, my parents' generation and, and my generation. And then we settled in the UK. And I think, you know, it's fair to say as typical of, of most, you know, immigrant families, you know, we were working pretty hard or they were working extremely hard doing all kinds of jobs. So I think it's fair to say I learned, I observed this work ethic. And then when it came to obviously money, you know, I mean, there wasn't much uh, around. And so we didn't have spare cash to have lots of uh, nice stuff and, and, and luxuries. It was all, you know, it was all uh, basic. And I would say that after I finished my um, degree, that's when... I got into the savings habit because it was actually my mom who helped me incentivize uh, my savings habit by actually telling me for every, you know, every pound I paid back of my uh, student loan, you know, she would match it. And this actually was a very useful trick because it was a great incentive to to get started. And, and so that savings habit started in the in the 20s and continued in your 20s and uh i guess you learned that from your mom who was an immigrant uh, to the uk right that's right and being an immigrant forces you to protect what you've earned because it's a new country you're not used to all the the luxuries and uh you want them to last right so you learned that from your mom i did i did and and you do have to learn to make that money last as you say and then you realize that, you know, you can't squander it, you can't waste it. And um, this, this idea of growth was something which they instilled in the children. So, you know, I've got, you know, your uncle and aunt, my brother and sister, they've worked extremely hard as well. And they've had, uh, you know, great careers. Um, uh, one's an economist and one's a, a, an ex-lawyer. 
And so yeah, let's talk about jobs. So you, you were the first generation, uh, well, no, second generation. Is it, was it called second generation immigrant? I actually am an immigrant because I was about six or seven when I came to the UK. So technically you're, you're the first generation um, in my family who, okay. who was raised in the, in the UK, born and raised in the UK. So about jobs then, how, how did you decide what you wanted to do and what you wanted to learn to get to the next level? Exactly. I mean, that, that, that um, idea of growth was instilled in us by the parents. And so we, we all studied quite hard. We advanced. We were able to get good enough grades to go to university. We got degrees, two degrees, whatever it was. And then we entered the workforce. And so I think that idea of growth mindset continued uh, in all of us. You know, we wanted to advance. We wanted to get ahead. We wanted to continue to improve. And so what does that mean? Improving means, you know, you're delivering, you're, you're adding value, you're uh, trying to enhance your pay and rewards. And um, I mean, that, that's, that was the uh, standard approach. I mean, we didn't have any, there wasn't any financial knowledge at that time, by the way. It was just work, work, work. And save. And save. Yeah. So the default minimum plan is the same thing that all people, most people do, I think, is you save, save, save. You, you save enough for a house, deposit, you buy, you move into that sphere. So for people listening, uh, the younger people listening, maybe they're still in school, maybe they're in university, or maybe they've finished university. What can they do to to learn more, to specialize? Is it just the uni path now, or can they do other things to learn and specialize and become an expert? Yeah, uh, it, it's so it's uh, not so easy or clean cut to come up with an answer these days. I think back then, the path seemed quite simple. You know, you did the degree, you got the job, and the way you observed people getting more pay was that they became specialised. You know, they became quite valuable to their employers or another employer would be willing to pay more for your services because they could see that you, you have certain value. And I think that the field that I went into, I, I continued to specialise and then that, that specialism, you know, had a market value that was above the average market value. Yeah. Now that's not to say that um, you can't repeat that. Of course you can repeat it. You can, you know, people, lots of people go to university. It's still, I think, you know, one of the best vehicles to, uh, uh, to invest in yourself as a vehicle for making money. Um, because there are certain jobs out there that require this degree, this, this minimum qualification. But it's also good to point out that a university degree is valuable, but it doesn't mean you have to go to the most expensive or the most prestige university in order to get recognized. Um, you know, the US I'm talking about mainly here, you know, you could have one uni that's 70 or $80,000 for a year with uh, tuition and board. Um, but then another college or a community college or a, or a state college, something like that would be 20,000 or something like that. And the, 
the increment for the the eighty thousand dollar a year university is not four x the twenty thousand dollar university. So bear that in mind as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think these days now the the price points have really you know diverged a lot, uh, especially if it's a pure marketplace dr- driven system like the US. UK is kind of market driven now as well because tuition fees have gradually gone up. Mm. And, and you can see that from the prices they charge, say, foreign students. Yeah, definitely. Okay, compared to home students. So now you have to think, well, is this a good reinvestment? You should do that ROI, return on investment calculation. I think, I think the average uh, multiple might be two times the home student fee or up to three times. Can you imagine? I mean, if it's about 10,000 a year that some foreign students are paying up to 30,000 pounds a year, maybe because it's a science degree. So I think it goes back to the, the the key point is what's the objective here? The objective is to try to land a job which will achieve a certain income over a, a time, you know, a, 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 over a 10, 20, 30 year period that shall be well above the average that will then pay for that investment. Um, it is, it is, um, a university degree is still very valuable in the sense that you will earn much more than someone who doesn't have the degree because uh, not only will your starting salary be more than a person without a degree, uh, but your increase every so often, every year or every few years will be much higher than someone without a degree. Mm. Um, Someone without a degree might just increase with inflation, but if you have a degree, you specialize, you start off in one job, then you move up the ladder, you move up the ladder, you, you know, you get big pay jumps. Yeah, sometimes. and I think you have to keep applying yourself. I mean, uh, it goes back to what you said. Uh, you have to, these days, be careful where you choose. You don't want to pick the most expensive just for the sake of it. Uh, because if you're going to take uh, debt to get that, there's no guaranteed you're going to be able to reap the return. And there's so many universities out there you know, you don't have to pick the, the best one to advance. And at the end of the day, um, in the end, you know, um, 30 years of working, I've realized that they don't care where you're, where you got your degree from. Really, they don't. But the parents obsess that you have to go to the top yeah. 100 or top, you know, I used to say that to you, you know, try to <laughs> go to a top uh, university. But I did get accepted in a few top hundreds. You but did, I didn't, you <laughs> did. But then you there. made a wise choice on location, strategy, and, and and everything worked out fine. So, so the the point is that you know once you start your job, once you go, get into the real world and start building your skills, what what they value is your effort. What they value is your skills. Yeah, that's the results they see is from the the effort and skills. They value. You know, they value um, what you're learning outside of the uni course as well, outside, because everyone's yeah. going to uni these days. Well, not everyone, but most people are going unis mm. um, because it's just fueled by government debt, I guess, and it's easily accessible now. It's easy to get in, much easier than it was, I guess, when you were going to uni. So I've been seeing uh, companies related to my course. I study computer science. These companies like Amazon or Facebook, they're not only looking for a uni degree; they're looking for courses you've done outside of uni like a 
a software development course or a web development course, whatever it is, because that will differentiate you from the rest of the market. Because everyone coming out of a university with a degree, with your degree, um, you're going to be in exactly the same position. Uh, they're probably not going to read your CV too much. You know, there's so many people they have to go through. So you need to really stand out. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, that was true back when we, um, you know, we were trying to land our first job. But maybe I took the the other route, which was, I know I can get another degree and then that will distinguish me from others. And, you know, back then it was it was about uh, $3,000 to do a master's. That was yeah. a tuition fee. How cheap was that? Um, and and I, I took a loan out and, and, and you know, with, with one of the banks and I managed to pay it off in about three years. But I was living at home. And, and all that so so it's funny actually saying what you just said about you finishing your undergraduate degree and then wanting to progress to a master's degree mm. to stand out I don't feel like from talking to people my friends and my uh, social groups I don't feel that they want to do further a, degrees. A further degree yeah, yeah. Uh, as much as you guys wanted to yeah I think it was it was almost like became a fashion back then you know and it was like um you know, it's like uh, a display of greatness to say, oh, I've, you know, I'm doing a postgrad. And then some people even went on to do a PhD. Yeah. But, you know, what, what sustains you in your career isn't the qualifications, unless you're a doctor, of course, or a dentist. You know, there are certain things you must be qualified. Yeah. And, and, and you don't want to go to a doctor who doesn't have a degree <laughs> on their wall or a surgeon. You know, you want to know that they've had the finest training possible for obvious reasons. But when it comes to the workplace, uh, what they value, as I said, was effort and skills, loyalty, um, making good decisions, being more right than wrong. You know, if you can master that and then get on with people, because uh, you have to get on with people. It's not about the certificate, you know, because that's, that's like, a, you know, it's like a, a basic black belt, but it, you have to keep advancing. You don't stop at black belt in martial arts. You've got to yeah. keep keep going and keep going and keep going. And, and you do this all your life. It's true what they say. It's a lifelong learning, um, you know, journey. And you learn so much more at work. Because if you think about it, what skills did you get from university? I know you've got to get the certificate. It's it's It helps you get to the starting gate. So that... Uh, that's what they pay you for. That's that's what they value in the workplace. And then apart from deciding what sector to go in, there's so much choice out there. So I think that, that that's really the, the takeaway. The takeaway is going back to your article, this Huffington Post, that it takes time. It takes intentionality. It's not going to happen quick, these changes. You know, it's only when you look back every five years of your journey since, you know, since you were five years old, 10, 15, 20, 25, you, you look at how your life changed. So it's an intentional process is what you're trying to get to. Everyone, Absolutely. Right? It's very intentional, but maybe it's a quiet intentionality. Maybe it's a quiet determination because, you know, not everybody, you know, talks about this stuff, you know, and, and you don't talk about this to your friends. Yeah. Um, and then, and if you do, you know, it, it's, it's like, well, what's he talking about? 
you know it's a it's a strange uh, uh, th- thing to be talking about your goals and dreams and aspirations but maybe that's why people write them down i read something once which stuck with me saying you've got to work hard in the micro but you've got to be very patient in the macro mm. which yes. means you know in, in the moment you've got to be working harder than everyone else smarter than everyone else trying to get ahead trying to do your thing progress but then you can't expect it to just happen over a few weeks or overnight it'll take years yeah absolutely i think that's that's absolutely right if you think about all the projects and jobs that i've done i mean you know in the moment you have to be very focused but then when you look back and when you've had that benefit of hindsight you look back with thanks and gratitude you say well i tell you what thanks to all those people that i work with and all the bosses that i had because i learned something from them yeah and and you have to appreciate that it's it's not about i've never liked observing in other people this uh, duality they exhibit and what i mean by that is that they get paid to provide a service but behind the company's back or behind the boss's back they're talking they're they're bad mouthing they're they're bad mouthing the company but this is the company that pays you and i think I, it doesn't work uh, because in the end this attitude gets found out yeah you know you, you you can't be loyal and good and solid in your uh, endeavors but at the same time kind of secretly hate everything what what have you seen has happened to people who have uh, bad mouth companies <laughs> behind the back well i mean look it's 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 exactly what i'm saying i'm saying that that there's a kind of private conversation that you hear but but when you work for a company I've worked all the companies I work for has always it's always been about loyalty to the company work and do the best that you can do the best that you can in your projects and when the boss you know asks for something you deliver on that but what what I what I um see is that when you argue back when you're too contrarian or people you know show a, a sort of half effort or they coast you know there's this kind of stuff gets found out okay so um, that's as, that's kind of as simple as that really so well since this is a finance podcast let's talk about your different finance habits you had in the different stages of your working life So when you were in your 20s, your 20 to 30s, your your 30s to 40s and 40s to 50s, what different habits did you have? Yeah, I think I think uh the turning point has to be uh around about age 50 for me because I think before then it was just plodding along. Mm. And you know, you plod along and you you done well in your career. I didn't come across this idea of growing wealth over time through the stock market through index funds i didn't know about this until after i hit to age 50 before then it was savings saving well and making a few purchases of uh, property rentals because this was something that uh, uh your mum got us into in fact and she she was pushing this as an idea we should uh, explore and try it out and so we went from you know one to a, a few more and 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 so now we have a small collection and so that that's thanks to your mom 
for getting us started on on that habit. But the the other side of the coin is knowing about risk and knowing about what it means to be well diversified. And so these are things I learned afterwards. Um, but this is quite recent. Let's go yeah. back to like when you was first starting your career. Um, obviously your money habits have probably changed since then. You know, when you're first starting, you first got your first income, you know, you want to spend a bit of it. What were those things that you regret mm. spending money on or, you know, don't do as much now? I don't, I don't think we, um, I, you know what? I think the one thing that we did and a lot of people did, and this was the fashion back then, was the house that you lived in ended up, because I didn't know liability and, you know, assets back mm. then, but you ended up just throwing money at the main house. Yeah. You bought a house and then you would go to the do-it-yourself do it shops every other weekend, buy stuff, and then kind of fix it up and you keep throwing more money and you keep doing it up and you keep... Because it was this keeping up with the Joneses, you know, whoever they are, right? Yeah, and it's funny that the house doesn't even really count as uh, your wealth because it's like there's no income coming there's from no it. no income. It? It's a liability. I mean, a asset produces income. Yeah. All right, that, that's a good thing. But a liability, it's just producing expenses. So when we went from that house to an even bigger house, guess what we did? Chuck Slowly did, uh, did it up. And, and I think... That's the, the kind of race that the, um, the, the mentality of, of our youth were more obsessed with. Yeah. And, and I look back and think... Well, at know, least you could afford a house back in yeah, the youth today. Yeah. We can't yeah, afford we a house. Were lucky. But if you think about it, you know, maybe ha had, had I had a chance to do it again, I would have known about these other systems. Yeah. And I would have been more careful to, let's say... Uh, appropriately apportion each pound to do its job. Yeah, so yeah. this is how much you're going to put into the house and this is how much it's going to go into savings, emergency fund. This is how much is going to go into the markets. But there wasn't this conscious, you know, sense back then. It was just, oh, uh, yeah, we've just built up, uh, you know, some savings. Uh, we now have this much. Uh, what should we do now? I know. Let's build an extension to the house. Let's make the house bigger. Yeah, and, and so you know, literally, it was like you'd you'd build a, 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 a an interesting pot, and then you end up blowing half of it or two thirds of it on a on, uh, on adding a room to the house, and then you have the pain and the mess and the fuss of a year with you know doing the. Uh, so, so what we're trying to say is, or what you're trying to say is, you can buy your house, but. Don't chuck everything you've got at it because mm. it's not going to return anything to you. It might increase the value a bit, but it's probably better off to try and increase your income outside of work with that money through index funds or through buying rental properties, whatever it is, um, because it brings you closer to the day where you can have the choice of stopping working or doing what you want. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think unless you have loads of wealth already built up, go ahead and, you know, buy a big house, but... The point isn't like with cars and houses, you know, you're, you're going to be throwing most of your hard-earned income into um, liabilities and that you have to be careful about this. Yeah. I think that's the biggest, you could say, error in inverted commas. I mean, at least with the house, it's the minimum default for most people that if, any, if everything went wrong, at least you can sell the house 
And yeah. some people do actually, uh, once they've paid off the mortgage, which is the biggest debt probably most for most people, when you reach a certain age and then you say, oh, you know, I want to downsize, you sell the house to buy a smaller place and there is some, hopefully something left over. But there's no guarantee of that. That's a kind of a speculative approach because you don't know how much you're going to sell your house for in the future. You don't know what's going to happen to the housing market. So just buy index funds. Just buy, yeah, just buy index. <laughs> Keep it simple and and max out on your, you know, company pension, especially if they're contributing something. Yeah. And then max out on your, your savings into the markets, into broad-based uh, funds. Great. That's that. And then whatever's left over, you're free to, you know, do what you want with it. But the mistakes, there's several mistakes. One is also that you're drive. I was driving blind. So you put all the money in houses, but then you're not keeping track of anything. Yeah. That's not good either. So it's time in the market that's uh, your friend. And, and so going back to your article, the social mobility and is it achievable? It is achievable. It just takes time and you have to be patient and you have to, it's a mental game. And that's, and then, you know, once you have time, you can look back and have that perspective and see if, if it worked, how well did it work? But without the plan, without the tracking, it's harder to do. Thank you for that, Dad. I really enjoyed today's episode. We mainly talked about social mobility, which in simple terms means you don't have to end up where you started in life. You can move up in life, but it takes intentionality and patience. We also talked about the fact that everybody makes financial mistakes and it's okay. If you don't make those mistakes, then you won't know what they are. So it's important to make them, but make them early and do not let them sustain for too long. An example my father gave was keeping up with the Joneses and how he wanted to improve the house to make it look better like everybody else's. The house you live in is not producing any income, therefore it's not an investment. You're much better off putting that money into an income producing asset, which is what will get you closer to financial independence. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We really do appreciate you listening. If you would like to be informed of when we upload a new episode, please subscribe and we look forward to seeing you next time. Goodbye.